0: ignorant pricks. This is James Fox, coming to you live to tell you that you today are going to watch a movie that features my good brother, if Edward Edwin and I don't speak much these days, because Edward is also an ignorant prick. An ignorant prick of the foremost sort. It's a kind man that would take you and take you out for dinner and sit you down and say nice things to your face, but the moment you stand up to go to the bathroom to take a little pee, he stabs you in the back. But I've come here today to introduce you because he's in a film that I actually quite like myself. I saw it in the theater, and after I'd been kicked out of the adult theater down the street, I thought, well, I should go see this movie for family purposes, you know. When we get home into Christmas, I want to have something to talk about to my brother, even though I don't speak to him much. So I saw the movie. It was quite good, don't you know? Ha! Ha! Well, the Fop made something of himself, it seems. Uh, not as good as my filmography, but can't blame a man for wanting to be in something that just makes him a better person. Yes. And that would be wonderful if Edward had been a better person, but he wasn't, and he was in Gandhi, and he made me look like a fool. I should have had that look. Instead, I was in that silly movie with Anthony Hopkins. Not the good one where he was a crazy man-eater. The one where he was a butler uh... Well, I've amped enough. I have places to be. I don't think I'm actually dead. I think I actually have things I have to do because I'm actually quite, still quite alive. This is quite rare for you fellows to have a, a possibly alive person. You should look into that to see if I'm alive. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I may have a doctor's appointment. So In fact, I'm going to go there right now. Uh, but I'm going to thank you very much. Uh, uh, I've, I've been a bit touch and go since, of course, uh, I got the diagnosis. But, you know, things are quite, uh, quite good. It looks um, like you are alive, sir. Oh, I'm, I, that's right. I'm going to the doctor's office right now. Uh, and I apologize, actually, for appearing on your program, as it is generally not your policy to host alive persons. No. Um, but I actually believe my brother also may very well still be alive. Yes? and uh, uh, You still uh, haven't spoken. I, I will. Uh, only occasionally at Christmas. And okay. only about movies he's been in. <laughs> not ones that I've been in. Right. Uh, but I'm going to go see my doctor, because th- things are a bit touch and go. Goodbye. Well, ladies and gentlemen,
1: the Marty Janetti of the Fox Brothers. <laughs> he,
0: he really was. He he, he he bounced off the wall and did a backflip. Yeah. And then, and then ran out the door. He had tassels tied to his upper arms. I thought it was strange for this old British man to have these, these neon tassels hanging off his upper arms. But he's got guns. It was weird, too, that he dove, he dived right through the barbershop window. <laughs> Yeah, he's bleeding a bit, but I think he'll be all right. I, know he's going to go on to great things.
1: Did you see that? James Fox tried to jump out the window, and, and Edward tried to get him to stop escaping. This is a me. podcast, and it's called For Screen and Country. And I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. And you might be wondering, are we disobeying the law of quarantine? No. no we, are, we are not. No. Because, because We're not.
0: Don't you dare accuse us of
1: it. It's a hoax. It's fake news. <laughs> No, we are, uh, I mean, I don't know, this could, we could go back and forth on this, yeah. but right now we are in uh, a phase where we, all, we are allowed to be with family and friends, and uh, so I had to decide to consider Jason a friend Yay. in order to qualify. Um,
0: and so I came to Brendan's house, I smoked his weed, I drank his beer. I don't and, know what you're talking about. And I'm ready to go and provide entertainment for you folks today, as well as thoughtful academic analysis of film. Yes. 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 And what's that movie, Brendan? That we are talking about today? Well, I, we are going to. I believe Jimmy may have
1: mentioned it. Well, <laughs> we are going to talk about. He didn't actually. No. <laughs> we are going to talk about the day of the jackal. But before we do that, Jason, we have to talk about. We have to read some comments from last week's film, "The Remains of the Day." Jason, Brendan, Brendan. N- yeah, Brendan, that's you, Brendan. Brendan, Jason, 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 Jason. Brendan. Brendan, Jason, Jason, Brendan. Jason. Brendan. That's us. (laughs) Yes, and you'll have to figure out who's who. Good luck. Um, We're going to read some comments about last week's movie. The Remains
0: of the Day.
1: That is correct, sir. we got some comments from some listeners. Um, Our first comment about The Remains of the Day, that's the film starring Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson, about a butler. Uh, Our first comment comes from Caitlin Brandt. She says, I love the movie, but the book might be in my top five of all time. So beautiful and wrenching and just, ugh, I love it.
0: I've not read the book. Perhaps I'll have to read it someday if I need to be uh, wrenched. Wrenched? Well, I'm assuming the, the, she said so beautiful and wrenching. Oh. So I assume it wrenched her. I
1: just When you said <laughs> I need to be wrenched, it sounded like a sexual thing.
0: I, look, I'm not here to interpret what words mean. I'm just here to say them. I think that's part of what we're doing. <laughs> well, really, it's up to the listener to interpret the words we're saying because we can say whatever we want, but if they don't understand it, then they got nothing going for them. It's like if you don't speak English, why would you listen to a Chinese podcast? Unless you just want to help that guy's downloads and great. I, he probably needs the help.
1: Or she. I find it soothing. Oh, okay. To to, to sit there. I could be listening to a alt right Chinese podcast and wouldn't I wouldn't know. know it, but mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Oh,
0: I, I like enjoy it. being ignorant. I don't want to think about the content of such a podcast. <laughs> What's the next comment say, Jason? Next comment. Marina Carlson hmm. writes, she says, Dear Brendan and Jason. Oh. No, she didn't say that.
1: I it's watched... been years <laughs> <laughs> since many... I wrote you last.
0: <laughs> I have been well and as has the family. <laughs> I watched this with my mom when I was fairly young and I absolutely loved it. It was one of the first movies I remembered loving, especially older movies. Now, it's not that old. It was in 1992. I was nine years old, so it wasn't that old. A movie, it's not that old. I'm not. I'm not old. I mean, that's I'm not old. old, Jason. It's
1: almost thirty years ago. Now. That's a long time ago. It's yeah. a long time ago. God damn. It. it feels weird to me to say that 90s movies are old.
0: Yeah, well, I they can, are. But they are. But but I can't. I can't do it. Well, you have to think, Brendan. Remember. Remember when. Remember the 90s. I, okay, Goat Boy. So, so that's. <laughs>
1: Oh, when I said "Okay, Goat Boy,"
0: my uh, phone thought I was trying
1: to access Google.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, "Remember the '90s, right?" You yes. Know, so we've established that you remember living in the '90s. You remember being an eight, a- that uh, being a kid, right? You remember watching shit from the '70s, like you watch Barney Miller or WKRP in Cincinnati all the time. Yeah. So it's been as long now since then as it was then. In fact, less time than it was then than it was to the Barney Miller. In the WKRP long yeah longer now yeah so is time. what you're saying
1: so Aladdin like the movie Aladdin which was released in 1992 mm. is older than in let's say 97 when we watched I don't know that darn cat exactly
0: that's how time works so I'm glad that we've educated everyone today
1: you're welcome um, okay so JF Uh, jay says i love this movie it's so good and i wish people didn't dismiss it out of hand as an old people movie because it's actually a great political statement as well though it's expressed more fully and satirically in the novel his obtuseness and unwillingness to speak up are all pointed metaphors for pre-world war ii appeasement
0: Mm. Ah, i like that.
2: that
0: i like that the book treats it more like satirically Mm, that's interesting well that would be interesting to do that in the film version maybe but I I don't know if Anthony Hopkins necessarily would be the guy you'd want for that role in that situation more satirically
1: I'm Anthony Hopkins and this is Monty Python's Flying Circus you would
0: want Malcolm McDowell a bit of the old in and out aye aye bye but he's uh, he should be in everything I've long maintained
1: Mm. in some some form
0: so so how would he factor
1: into the film Mean Girls
3: (laughs) Those girls
0: were ever so mean.
1: He was the narrator. He always is the narrator. Oh, okay. So that he would also be the narrator in, like, Booksmart. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and what about Joker?
0: (laughs) He was very angry, but all he could do was laugh. You see, he had a problem where he was forced to laugh. Wait, and so, he laughed, and so laughed, Mal- and laughed. So
1: Malcolm McDowell's gimmick is that he's never seen the movie no. he's narrating. He's, <laughs> he's narrating it as he's watching it. <laughs> oh, look at that! Oh, Joaquin Phoenix is a fine actor. Oh, I, oh, his name is Joker in this. My bad. Yes, yes. You, you're going to cut this, right?
0: <laughs> I wouldn't want to look like a fool. You see.
2: <laughs> all Our right.
0: next comment uh, after all that jackassery. Louise Camera, repeat commenter, says, This isn't about the film itself, but first went to this movie on a date in 1993. Mmm. 20 minutes into the movie, she started to choke on candy from the concessions. Ooh. And I performed the Heimlich maneuver on her. After she recovered, we left the theater, and it was a while before I actually saw it. As for the film, I think it was a great portrait of a wasted life and self-deception and the political dangers of not thinking for yourself.
1: What a harrowing tale of Yeah, ways, I it's either I hope, of
0: the day. But you didn't tell us that it, if it worked out or did you ever get back together? I guess you, you Louise? Louise, we wanna know. Up. We wanna follow up. We wanna know what happened. Are you guys still together? Exactly. Let All us these know. years later was this was this the meat cute for your long <laughs> established relationship?
1: Uh Christian Zafiroglu mm-hmm. says, "One of those character studies where the quiet parts speak the loudest. Seeing Hopkins's thousand-yard stare at the end breaks me up completely. And Emma Thompson is the person we all need in life—uncompromising, a call-it-out authority, fully independent, and completely open to the world." Yeah, she <laughs> kicks some ass. I love Emma Thompson.
0: Yeah, I love. I just love that attitude. She's got
1: it. sense and sensibility,
0: and Moxie. Which yeah. is a different movie. Sense and Sensibility and Moxie.
1: Yeah, that was... See, what they did is they tried to cash in on the success and, yes, they did say success. Hmm. Um, that was Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yes. They, so they And Sense sens- and
0: Sensibility and Sea Monsters, but I wanted... I pitched Sense and Sensibility and Moxie because I wanted to have it where they were all strippers. Right. But, but nobody nobody was down for that. They said, no, no, Jason, the money is in Octopi.
1: They, they said, no, Jason, Renee Zellweger's character in Chicago <laughs> is Roxy Hart. <laughs> I don't know who you're pitching. <laughs>
0: I'm uh, Mr. Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane. Why well, you can walk right through me.
1: And talk right through me. By the You'll way, never
0: know I'm gone. By
1: the way, flawless John C. Riley impressions from Thank both you. of us. We're
0: wonderful. We yeah.
1: really are. Uh, our
0: next comment <laughs> comes from Brianna Bertoglio. hmm I think so. And she says, I think it's the edgiest Merchant Ivory film, and it's superb. I feel like their work is thought of as stuffy, but it isn't. I agree with that. It's subtle, but there is so much happening in the frame. We've talked about actors who are honored for doing the most acting, but this stuff is for me way more impressive. She's right. Yeah, no, I didn't think about that. But yeah, Anthony Hopkins does very little in the movie, but that's what that character calls for because that's the existence of a butler is being as unobtrusive as possible until the moment they are needed. Yeah, he does a lot with very little. Mm -hmm. And so much just happens on his face. Even though he's trying to maintain a composure, we could still have a window into his soul from the acting. Clint Westbrook says, It's fine. I think it's
1: a display of performance over writing and direction, but that only hits in the middle for me. I always like to include at least one dissenting hey, opinion. I appreciate it. Not to single you out, Clint, but it was tough to find them, so uh, <laughs> good on you.
0: But that's it. That's the dissenting opinion. He's like, that's fine. I guess it's fine. It's worth watching. That's the most
1: negative opinion I yeah. have here. Um, and then Sharon Horwat, always the, the wonderful Sharon Horwat, always commenting, always lending her voice. Always happy to hear from her. The voice of the voiceless. But not really voiceless, because they all speak. (laughs) They do. uh,
0: She's speaking for the million listeners that never uh, email in.
1: By the way, Sharon is such a trooper. She watched the movie because we were doing the movie. Wow. Thanks. (laughs) I think that Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson have amazing chemistry together, which probably explains why they work together so often, at least this and Howard's End anyway. Uh, Hugh Grant was also really good, and it's kind of amazing he didn't do more movies like this. I guess that's what happens when you get typecasted. Yeah, poor guy. I also asked my sister what she thought about the story. She read the book for school this year, and she said that it is a really dry read, since Stevens is so emotionless, but that it was very fun to analyze in class. She also thought it was weird to see Hopkins as Stevens because he felt more menacing, which I know is something you mentioned. Yeah, well... You
0: said, it's Hannibal Lecter. For the first five minutes of the movie, it's like, why is Hannibal Lecter taking a job at this house? Like... <laughs> Is he going to eat everyone? But you get over it pretty quick. Uh, at least in my case, you know, because Anthony i is such a great actor.
1: Master, I prepared for dinner. Yeah. You. But it's
0: just he's just that he's in that exact era when he made Sons of the Lambs*, and yeah, it's uncanny. He looks just like himself. The Uncanny Valley. <laughs> oh, he's a he's a robot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that explains it. I knew you would get. I knew you would uh, wake up for the robot comment.
0: All right, Ch- uh, Chad Freid. Which, if you drop the e, Chad, you could be Chad Fred. I don't know. Just a suggestion. I'm just <laughs> pitching it, throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. A room with a view is my sentimental favorite. It was the first Merchant Ivory I saw and exposed me to Helena Bonham Carter, Daniel Day Lewis, and Judy Dench. And that scene in the field was beautiful.
1: That movie is coming up. Oh, at some point. Oh, oh so you telling us his favorite Merchant Ivory? Yeah, that's the Mer- that's the other Merchant Ivory film on this list. Hmm. hmm. And then, what's the lot-
0: cast? That's a that's a really good cast. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that one. Uh, and the final comment comes from Michael Garamone, mm-hmm. who says, I always preferred Remains of the Day, my Remains of the Day lunchbox when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fun, fun Simpsons reference. Thank you very much, yeah. Michael Garamone. Is it Simpsons? I, I think thought I was Simpsons. waiting for Guffman. Or was it waiting for Guffman? I think so. God, I haven't seen many references in a while. I just, you know what? To be fair, Michael, I just assume that all cultural references are from The Simpsons. At some point, they have thirty years worth of TV shows, so chances are it was. I, they, I feel like they must have referenced "Remains of the Day" on The Simpsons at some point because I feel like that's the only reason I knew what it was.
1: I mean, I'm sure they did. That's some, somehow there's Smithers must have done something with
0: that. I've always had a love of trivia. And I think the Simpsons has been something that has really helped foster that because of the necessity of trying to learn (laughs) references that you don't get. (laughs)
1: Well, Jason, we come to the end here. So I'm going to ask you, we, uh, we're going to compare this to the AFI top 100, the American list. My favorite part. Number 64 is where the remains of the day falls on the BFI. And number 64 on the AFI list is the
0: 1976 film Network. Ooh. Ooh. Well, I mean, without too much hesitation, i got to say Network. I think I'd rather watch Network than this movie, but both great movies. Uh, Network is just fantastic and is still as relevant, you know, today as it ever was.
1: Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, I mean, Network... Has the, yeah, the mad as hell, I'm mad as hell line, which is said differently than anyone quotes it. Doesn't he go,
0: I'm mad as hell. No. And I'm not going to take it anymore.
1: No, he doesn't yell it at all. No. He just says it calmly. But, um, man. Hmm. I mean, I guess I can say network. It's really close. I think The Remains of the Day is fantastic
0: yeah no it is fantastic but especially if you talk about a movie that has a cultural impact i feel like network just overall for sure and maybe it's because we're on this side of the pond but network has a a much broader cultural impact i would say than remains of the day
1: but i will say everyone this halloween is coming up in a few months you get your mr stevens costumes that's right you go out there and you paint the town red
0: you have a you have your halloween double feature of network and the remains of the day well said (laughs) That'd be an interesting series to do like at a theater like if you had all 200 films off the BFI and AFI list and every night you would count down and do like the tonight's the 100 movies and tonight's the 99 movies. Mm, mm, double features. That would be interesting. Yeah. Theaters
1: out there, I know you're not going to have much to play when you come back. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Pick us up on it. I guess
0: maybe pitching ideas for theaters right this second is probably bad, but but but
1: we got to think for the future. Jason, they're not going to be able to play new movies when they open, like, you know, end of July or whatever it is.
0: You charge $5 a head and sell them all the fucking dumb popcorn they want. Just
1: just $5 for your head? How much for the other parts of your body?
0: That's to be negotiated.
1: Okay, arms are $3 each. We can agree on that. I think that's fair. Okay, we got to move on. (laughs) We've answered your comments. You've compared it. We've answered
0: the comments. We've answered we, the
1: comments, Jason. I we've don't think that's how that works, but we, I'll trust we, you, you wrote a dictionary. We've read the questions and we answered the comments. And it's time to move on and talk about this week's film, The Day of the Jackal. Wow.
4: August 1962 was a stormy time for France. Many people felt that President Charles de Gaulle had betrayed the country by giving independence to Algeria. Extremists, mostly from the army, swore to kill him in revenge. They banded together in an underground movement and called themselves the OAS.
1: Jason, we're talking about the day of the jackal, Ta-da! 1973. Yes, this is the the <laughs> seventh Bond film, uh, <laughs> 1973, and number 74 on the BFI Top 100. Hmm. Uh, this is a film starring. Here we go. Edward Fox. Yes, sir. Who plays the title role of the jackal. Hmm. Um, you may remember him from Gandhi as the ruthless soldier.
0: Yes, yes. The my my favorite psycho. Uh, yes. uh, psycho, soldier, psycho sure. soldier. psycho soldier. Yeah. <laughs> psycho soldier. Fa- psycho racist. Gascousse. It's fa 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 fa, fa-, fa-
1: We have Michael Lonsdale as Deputy Commissioner Claude Labelle. Michael Lonsdale, we saw last week um as the french uh prime A- minister achy
0: footed frenchman
1: achy foot yeah don't break my feet my not, achy, not achy feet. Mike,
0: and also again not michael landon from bonanza and highway to heaven
1: no of course not let's make sure people don't make that uh, mistake um terence alexander plays lloyd i don't know why i wrote that down because i don't remember who lloyd is <laughs> you know lloyd oh lloyd uh michael eau Claire plays colonel roland
0: mm-hmm. is that the guy that's getting his uh, rocks off with the lady
1: uh I don't know. I know it's one it's like the one of the police dudes. Okay. Uh Alan Bedell plays the minister. Mm. Tony Britton plays Inspector Thomas. Yes. Uh Delphine Sarig plays Colette de Montpellier, mm-hmm. who we see later in the film. And last but not least, we have another returning champion. We have Derek Jacoby playing Karen, Inspector Karen.
0: You have to understand, as I was watching this movie, I did not recognize Derek Jacoby at first. Oh, me he's, either. Because he's quite young in this movie. Uh, and I was staring at him, and i like, I know who this guy is. I know that I know him when he's older. And I was struggling to see what he looked like in my head when he was older. And I, all I kept seeing was Jim Baker's fucking dumb face. And it wasn't Jim Baker. It was Derek Jacoby, who we all remember from Gladiator. But, Jason, what's this movie about? This movie is... Set in a real time, but is a fictional story. This is and it, and it explains it up top at the movie. This is during the era of the, in the French Fourth Republic when uh, uh, they had been fighting a war with Algeria, which is a colony of what well, was a colony of France's at the time, and they have been fighting a pretty bitter war over the independence of the nation and they eventually acquiesced to that and gave well gave allowed i guess (laughs) from their perspective algeria to have their independence but there was a lot of people that didn't agree with that in france and a number of them formed something called the oas which is a french term that translates to a secret army organization basically i think they'd be covid protesters these days maybe but like like this was more like army guys like a lot of like soldiers and right-wing politicians that were very pro-colonialism and and didn't want to give up algeria because they saw like allowing algerians to have independence as to have uh wasted the lives of the french people that died fighting it and defending it yeah covid protesters yeah, exactly um so, uh, so they start waging a terrorist campaign. Even though they clearly say at one point, they're like, "We are, uh, please understand us." When they're talking to the jackal, we are not terrorists. We are patriots. Which is the biggest laugh of the film, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but that's essentially what they do. They they commit bombings and stuff, and they and they legit in real life tried to kill Charles de Gaulle like About they, a bunch of times. Well, Yeah, but like they say in the movie, where they shot up his car and somehow managed not to hit Charles de Gaulle or his wife or their driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe Charles de Gaulle famously said something like they shoot like pigs. <laughs> but um, so this movie is set after that and it's uh, the story of the OAS uh, hiring a, a an elite assassin to just kill Charles de Gaulle during the upcoming Liberation Day parade. Which we don't in Paris. We don't know the ultimate plan. Yes, we don't know that's ultimately what's gonna happen, but this is the ultimate thing is they just want Charles de Gaulle dead. Mm-hmm. And they get a hold of this guy whom we only come to know as the Jackal.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Played by Edward Fox. In the Bruce Willis role, as you like to say. Yes, in the Bruce Willis role. (laughs) But uh, the movie really, when it comes down to it, it is a story of him preparing uh, uh, for this assassination. uh, And at some point, uh, information leaking. Mm-hmm. about what's going on because this is one of the interesting things about this movie is that because this movie is set in the 70s or in the 60s actually 60s, yeah. um it wouldn't have mattered in the 70s anyways but in the 60s like obviously you didn't have information technology like you do today you don't have the ability to to communicate information to each other and this is so much about what this movie is about is about the flow of information and being able to get that information and act on it in a timely manner and I mean today so much of this movie could have been accomplished in seconds Mm -hmm. but because of today it's like oh okay so we, we don't know what this guy looks like how do we know what this looks like okay well we know he's in the country so he came into the country we get a description of his car we figure out where his passport is we can call in a picture from the archives from his passport but then we have to get that ship from london so that's going to take four hours to get here so in the meantime we got to do this and this we got to go through all these cards (laughs) we got to spend put all these guys to go through all these files and cross-reference all these cards and find out all this information
1: well i mean that's the thing this movie is essentially you're getting um you're getting basically two sides you're getting the jackal uh, going through his plan step by step by step. And we mean like every meticulous step.
0: Yeah. And it's it's not like there's a lot of like fucking around in this movie. Everything continues to happen. Everything just keeps... This movie is a freight train of a movie. It just... Shit just keeps happening.
1: And I mean... Uh, impressively, because yeah. it's two hours and 22 yeah. minutes. I <laughs> know, but um, it shit
0: just keeps happening. There's not a lot of fucking around.
1: Yeah, and that time seemed a little daunting for me before yeah. I started this film, but I was not bothered by it at I mean, all.
0: It, it, it moves. But it shows
1: his, his meticulous step-by-step. At the same time, it shows the investigators, and we as the audience kind of know everything, Yes, um, which is an interesting way to do this. Uh, we're kind of right where the jackal is, although we, he does a little few things that we don't aren't quite sure where it's going to lead yet. Yeah. But... Um, about, we can always tell that the investigation is about a step or two behind. Yes. Yeah. And,
0: and, but, but over the course of the movie, as the movie goes on, that, that time delay shrinks and shrinks yes. and shrinks to a point where at one point we have the Jackal leaving in a cab going one way down the street as the other way coming in the inspectors heading with all the police to the train station where he just was, you know, and, it, and, and each time that happens, you feel it getting in closer and closer and closer, you know,
2: mm.
1: It's a really unique way to create tension mm. because like – and I'm just going to say this, Jason. I don't know if this makes me a bad person, but because we're so invested in both sides, mm. part of me is like I kind of want him to get away with yeah. it.
0: Yeah. And and, and, and I, do, I
1: know he doesn't because yeah. of history. But
0: Well, th- this wasn't a real thing. This didn't actually happen. No, no.
1: But I'm just saying like they're yeah. not going to say Charles de Gaulle. That yeah, guy, yeah, Charles de Gaulle this, was this assassinated. Isn't, yeah. This <laughs> isn't Quentin
0: Tarantino's Day of the Jackal here. Yeah, no, absolutely not. The Jackal is clearly... He's a professional. He's very cool. He's very calm. He's very collected. He's very smooth. He's charismatic. He can talk to people. He... Th- th- this movie is a James Bond movie. I was going to say,
1: I would not be shocked, nor would I have been angry if yeah. Edward Fox had played James Bond yeah. at some point.
0: And, but, but, you know... Like, except for the fact that he's an assassin trying to kill a head of state, and, and you know, I'm, I would put it past Bond. This I'm could, just talking about the, the performance, though. Oh, I'm just talking about the movie as a whole. This movie yeah. could easily, maybe with a few tweaks, be a James Bond movie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, but, but James Bond hasn't really done a movie in quite this mechanical construction. Yeah, I was.
1: it's a lot less silly than a James yeah, Bond yeah, movie.
0: But, but like, if, if James Bond was a more serious type of spy movie, it might look something like this.
1: It might look something like, like this. this. Let's yeah,
0: Bob Newhart on the phone. <laughs> um,
1: you're, you're saying King Kong invaded the building? <laughs> oh, he's uh,
0: he's yeah. climbed. Oh, he's all the way up there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> can we? I mean, can we get him down? <laughs> do you, you say?
2: Jason's famous <laughs> bit lifted from Bob Newhart. <laughs>
0: I just love. I just love pretending to be Bob Newhart. It's <laughs> <No>. fun. <laughs> Um, Don't we? Yeah. Huh? The, the, so, yeah. The, the where are we going with that? Yeah. So, we, yeah. I wanted to root for him because he's he's got all that stuff going on, but he's not exactly the nicest guy, and he kills a no. number of people. He does. Um, <laughs> the worst I think he kills the he kills that old lady. Does he poison her?
1: No. He karate chops her to the throat,
0: and then they all rush over to her. Oh, that part. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. No. I I think so. So what I like about that. So I mean, we're we're jumping around. That's fine because yeah. that's what we do um there's an old lady that you can see it's interesting the way they do it because she looks very tired but you don't you don't really you're just like oh she's an old lady she's a stock old lady character she's probably just like whatever and then if you watch the background she slowly starts drifting off to sleep Mm. and you still don't really think of anything of it and then you see in the background the kind of girl that the woman that's with her kind of look a little concerned and you're like oh wait a second but we never see what he did to yeah. her. We don't see that on camera. Yeah. But we just assume – I mean, yes. You have
0: to assume because the whole point of it was everybody rushes over to the old lady and that pulls everybody from the lobby. And he's able to go look at the ledger and get the name that he wants to get.
1: Right, which is a, a, a lady that's staying at the hotel, yeah. which he pretends who he pretends to romance yes. to uh, get into her place, yes. basically. Also, okay, now, much like when we talked about the 39 Steps, the original film mm. – uh, or the Hitchcock version. Yeah. Um, this is another movie where I thought someone's... A side character's story is so rich and we get so little of it. Yeah. But it's enough to be like, oh, man, it's such a tragic tale. Mm. That woman, uh, played by uh, Delphine Surig. Uh, yeah. She plays Colette Montpellier. Yes. She has such a sad story. Yeah. Because we learn that, you know, she she comes in. She's, she's going to... She went to her son's... Uh, what was it? Like a, like a cadet type thing. Yes. And she has like a 19 year old son. And I think she's either having marital issues or she's not with her husband anymore. Mm. Um, and she sees this chance oh. for excitement with this guy, with this jackal. And, I mean, so we It's can... like a
0: mini brief encounter that happens in the movie.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Brief encounter went a completely different direction at the end. But I do want to debate, like, do you think he feels anything for her? Because I detected maybe slight, but I detected a tiny slight hesitation when he figures out. It's that moment where he's like, she knows a little bit too much.
0: Yeah, but he still does it.
1: He does it, but there's a moment of like pausing, I think.
0: Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, the fact that he still – he he might have paused for a minute, but he still went through with it. I'm not saying he's – Ultimately, that's what he's there for. I'm not saying he's not a killer, but he's I'm He's a just man saying, who is, has a commitment to his job. <laughs> if we could only have more of that, Mr. Yeah, President. That's right, Mr. President. <laughs> well, um, right, Mr. President. Get, get off the golf course and get back to work. Although man. really, to be fair, it's probably better he's on the golf course. He causes less trouble on the golf course. That's true. Put Charles Barkley in the White House, or we could put Charles on the golf course to keep him busy. <laughs> and keep beating him. At Have golf. you seen his golf swing? <laughs> Charles Barkley won't let the president cheat. I'll, I'll tell you that.
1: But I'll, but he probably bet on it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's do let's do this. What do you what, what do you got? Twenty dollars a ball. <laughs> Twenty dollars a hole.
1: But I'll tell you what. Um, yes, I get what you're saying. He's a killer and you know that's he's he's. I mean he might be a sociopath he might be faking every emotion that he has
0: I mean he kind of have to be I think to be a a professional
1: killer to some extent but when you compare that moment to every other time he's killed I Mm. think there's more of a hesitation I think there's a moment where he he was like well that's the only person he'd been inside of in the movie (laughs)
0: so I can understand why there might be a slight hesitation
1: I think there's a moment of like I could hide out here for a while and he and like let's just say this right now I'm not saying any kill is necessary, but he doesn't kill anyone he doesn't have to. Yeah. Like he has the guy that builds his gun, gives him the gun parts, yeah. which is a great scene. Yeah. Um. He doesn't kill that guy. Oh
0: well, no, that guy could in useful in a future
1: job. Although he's supposed to be getting out. So. Well, but I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't ask any unnecessary questions. He no. gives him the parts and then he moves on. And he
0: only ends up killing that guy that gets him the ID because the guy tries to fuck him. Tries to blackmail him. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, I. <laughs> So he ki- so he seems as far as I can tell from the way I watched this scene, it looks like he punches him in the balls and then gives him a backhand and then kills him.
1: Well, that's the thing. With I the, think with- I think what he's doing because he does this to like at least one other person is when he chops them in the neck. I think he hits a certain spot on the on like the carotid artery or something that like
0: if that's a thing that can happen, that's at least in the logic of this movie seems to be like if he gives them a good old judo chop, he does it right where. Uh,
1: I mean, I mean, we don't. I- at the end of the movie, we still don't know who he is. Yeah. He could be military trained. He could be secret, He could be former Secret Service. We don't know. He could
0: he, be a space alien.
1: He could even be doing an accent the whole time because we learned that he. they don't even know if he's British, French, yeah. or Danish at the end of the film, right?
0: That's right because he seems pretty proficient at various accents.
1: He does, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I mean, that speaks to Edward Fox. Actually, uh, Edward Fox's performance. Um, but I, would, I do want to talk about Edward Fox a little bit because – let, let's listen to let's watch the first scene here, or you know, listeners, you'll have to listen yeah. because you don't have the uh, benefit of mm. the seats that Jason and I occupy. Um, but we're going to take a look at the scene in which they hire uh, Edward Fox to be the jackal, to be their to be their hitman. And after we watch this performance, I want to tell you something that may be surprising. So let's take a listen.
4: We are not terrorists, you understand. We are patriots. Our duty is to the soldiers who died fighting in Algeria and to the three million French citizens who have always lived there. So you want to get rid of him? Speaking as a professional, do you think it's possible? It's possible. The point is getting away with it. And speaking as a professional, that's a very important consideration. But in principle, you'd say it could be done? Yes. With enough time and planning would be much more difficult than most other targets. Why more? Because de Gaulle is the best security service in the world. Their information is first class. You see, gentlemen, not only have your own efforts failed, but you have rather queered the pitch for everyone else. How dare you suggest at work. that? work, you simply can't afford to be emotional. That's why you've made so many mistakes. But if we decided to employ a professional... We have to employ a professional. Your organisation is so riddled with informants that nothing you decide is a secret for long. No, the job would have to be done by an outsider. The only question that is by whom and for how much. Will you do it? Yes. How much? You must understand that this is a once-in-a-lifetime job. Whoever does it can never work again. How much do you want? Half a million. What? In cash. Half in advance and half in completion. Half a million francs? Dollars. Are you mad? Considering you expect to get France in return, I'd have thought it a reasonable price. But if you can't manage it, then there's nothing more to be said.
1: Okay, so number one, I love how he's, by the way, he's the smartest guy in the room. Hmm. Edward Fox, like the jackal. He knows everything that's going on at any given moment. He is fully aware that doing this, by the way, if, if they want to get Charles de Gaulle assassinated, will change nothing. Yeah. Because he says, he says like, you know, that's a ridiculous price. And he says, well, if you think you're getting France in return, I don't think that's a fair price. He knows they're not going to, like, get Algiers to be, uh, you know. To to, stay a colony. To stay a colony. Like, this is not what's going to happen. Like, you're not going to get France back. If anything, having someone assassinated only creates a sympathy for them.
0: I feel like having uh, 500K uh, to... uh 500K, even in that year to kill uh, Charles de Gaulle, it seems like a pretty solid deal. That's
1: a pretty good, that's a bargain. Yeah, that's I a bargain. He
0: also, as... I mean, he also says like, if
1: I do this, I will never work again. Yeah. Like, I can't continue to do this because I'll be on every radar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, So the thing I wanted to point out about this is that scene took him three days to film. Wow. So Edward Fox was completely nervous. Um, he, this was his first major role, hmm. uh, because the director, Fred Zinneman said, I don't, I don't want a name in this movie. I don't want, uh, I do. he turned down Robert Redford, Michael Caine, Jack Nicholson, and Roger Moore.
2: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Bond, right? Yeah, yeah. But he turned them all down and he said, I want Edward Fox because I want someone that the audience will not recognize because I want people to wonder what his like kind of Intentions, well, the intentions, but like his yeah, I mean, you know. and,
0: and that's kind of the nature of the character too. He's supposed to be a nobody. I mean, yeah, he's supposed to be somebody you don't recognize. He's just he's just a face in the crowd. And I guess if it Fox wasn't known, yeah, it's perfect call to make.
1: Right, and and that's another thing too about his performance is I find he's so like he's not like the stereotypical hitman in a Hollywood movie. Hmm. He's not like he doesn't have that slick look. Well, I guess he kind of does later when he's in disguise, yeah. but he doesn't have that like suave debonair thing. Like just seems like a guy. Yeah. He's in, you know, smart. He's smart. You know. he, he knows what he's doing. He's obviously done this many times.
0: And I, I love in that scene too, how they, they kind of dance around it for a minute or two. And then he's just like, will, will you do it? And he's like, yes, I will <laughs> immediately. Just like no question. Yes, I will.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he, well, I mean, he's like, I was, I didn't travel all the way over here to say no. Uh, Edward Fox, of course, later in life, created a little bit of controversy. He uh, criticized Daniel Craig as the new James Bond, said uh, he's the opposite of what Fleming intended, and I knew Fleming. He also said that men cheat in relationships because, quote, we're totally different creatures, and women should be more understanding, but quote, it is very difficult for all women to be tolerant and patient and understanding.
0: Finally saying what we've all been thinking. Jason, get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, so him, Edward, him and Sean Connery should write a book.
1: <laughs> I don't know if he's that bad, but yeah, uh, that's, that's Edward Fox for you. So, I mean, yeah, this is first big, big role and he, I mean, he fucking kills it. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. Um,
0: Oh, a I, I, moment early in the movie that I enjoy. So right at the beginning where they're recounting the history of OAS and the the colonel that then they tried to kill de Gaulle. The colonel gets arrested and they take him and they're going to take him before a firing squad. And the priest comes in to talk to him and, and he, he looks up and he's smiling and he's like, he's like, man, and he's like man, you're fucking going to die tomorrow. <laughs> what, are you so, what are you so happy about? And he just looks at him and he goes, the French soldiers will not raise a raffle on me. And then they immediately cut to, he's... He's on the fucking firing pole and they all raise their rifles and just fucking shoot him. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, and then and then
0: a guy comes over and caps him yeah, just to make sure. He's dead. Yeah, exactly. Comes yeah. over with a pistol just to make sure. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was really funny because it, it reminded me of um, the. And again, this may be a story. I, I don't know if the, if this actually happened, but it's one of those stories that's been passed down over the years. That supposedly, during the Hundred Days, when Napoleon returned to France, mm-hmm. he was like walking along the road and came upon a group of soldiers, and they accosted him, and he like ripped open his shirt and was like, "If you would kill your emperor, kill him now." And then they all just threw down their guns and were like our emperor and they joined his retinue as they were marching like it, it felt like this guy was trying to have his napoleon moment in the yeah. movie but it, it did not work out for him there are a few
1: moments like that too like funny moments that don't immediately strike you as a as a joke yeah <laughs> um so we'll talk about fred zinneman the director uh because he I, I think you'll know some of the stuff he's done he's he directed a, a very well-known American film called High Noon mm-hmm. back in 1952. So that was a long time before this. Um, but he actually stopped working in about 1966 because <laughs> and Jason's like, oh, here we, here we go. go. Right oh, old Fred Zinneman story. <laughs>
2: um,
1: he stopped working in about 1966 because he was, he was set to direct a movie called Man's Fate. For MGM, hmm. uh, the project was shut down, and the studio attempted to hold him responsible for a million dollars out of the three and a half million dollars that was in the budget. Wow! Uh, he filed a lawsuit against the studio, and yeah, I guess sorry, 1969, and it'd be four years before he would make the next his next movie, which was this *Day of the Jackal*.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, he uh, he's he also he also interesting. He said <laughs> by the early 70s, he said. You know, it's the end of an era in picture making and the dawn of a new one when lawyers and accountants are beginning to replace showman as head of the studios and when a handshake was a handshake no longer. Amazing. So he kind of sees this as a as a, as a breaking of the, of the code.
0: The old school, the old boys club.
1: Yeah. So the reason he was drawn to this, and sorry, he had not made a film since 1966 called A Man for All Seasons, which is also on this list, interestingly enough. Uh, he was drawn to this project because he um, he wanted the challenge of keeping the interest of people watching hmm. because everybody watching this movie or most people watching this movie know that Charles de Gaulle is not going to get assassinated at the end of the film. But he wanted people to keep guessing anyway. Yeah. Like, And I was. Yeah. No, I actually absolutely. Would, is this movie going to pull uh, is this movie going to pull an inglorious bastard well, in
0: because ultimately the guy's not a real person and so we don't know what happens to him so we know okay he's not going to assassinate Charles de Gaulle but he's either going to get away or he isn't and we're going to see how that plays out
1: yeah oh I, and I, this movie totally had me believing that he would get away yeah
0: he, he seemed like he had the tools he just kept he was one step ahead of them so often.
1: I want I want to ask you if this if you if you agree with me here because I think this is the moment where he fucks up and it ripples the rest of the movie. So Edward Fox is the jackal. He's you know hitman, contract killer, like never makes a mistake, flawless. Got his old plan in in check, and he actually tells them at the beginning of the movie in that scene. It goes on a little bit longer. Mm. He says if. If any word gets out that there's someone after De Gaulle, I'm leaving. Like I'm done. I'm gonna leave and go back. Hmm. There is a, a moment where I mean they capture this guy, this this bodyguard for the OAS, hmm. and
0: torture him, and I think they kill him. I'm yeah. pretty sure he dies. Yeah. Um, oh, that scene is that where they're transcribing his his uh, screams. Tape? That is rough. Where they have the headphones on and he's trying to like like transcribe it from the dictaphone, and then the scream hears he pulls the headphones off. And he's like, "What did you do to this guy?" and we don't see it. And this is calling back to the uh, the Algerian War because I think it's also known no, no, no that's something else it's called the dirty war, but it was a very dirty war and there was a lot of like abductions and tortures and things like that which were much like the dirty war in Chile. Um, and just disappearing people and and this is what they're doing. They're pulling out the same tactics they would have used during the occupation. Well, right. occupation, the colonial period.
1: So because he has knowledge of that this has gotten out, it gets back to the jackal, you know, they know. They know sure. someone is after de Gaulle. He makes the choice at the last minute to yeah. continue.
0: He literally is sitting on the highway in his car, staring at a sign with one saying Paris and the other way saying Italy. <laughs> and he
1: goes to Paris, and I think that's his downfall.
0: Well, yeah, obviously.
1: Because he he's almost like he, – the way he sets himself up is he's a very he's very proper, and he has yeah. a very strict set of rules. But he goes against his own rule. So either, number one, he, he is uh, putting on a show for those boys – or number
0: two, that's just like his first fatal flaw. I think I think his pride is what gets him. I think he has yeah. pride in his work. He's he, done he, so much up to that point. Yeah, exactly. He's been such a good assassin to that point, and now he, he has his like his last target, his last job, and he's not gonna just abandon this last job and, and abscond to Italy. Because it would be very easy for him to take off because he, he already has half the money. That was the deal. He got half the money up front and half the money upon completion. So he could take that 250 grand and just go to Italy and live out his life, but his pride won't allow him. He has to go finish the fucking job. I do want to
1: say, too, um, the director, Fred Zinnemann. he was born in Poland in 1907. He actually had a pretty horrifying uh, thing that happened to him shortly after Were World Nazis War II. Were Nazis involved? Shortly after World oh. War II, because um, he studied for a year in Paris. He became a cameraman and you know did a, work on some films in Berlin. Uh, but, but, and then when he immigrated to Hollywood, he found out after World War II that both his parents had been killed in the Holocaust. Wow. So let's that's you know what okay so you know what this movie totally reminded me of and I don't know if you've seen this movie but it came out a few years after this and it's called All the President's Men hmm. and it's about you know Nixon and Watergate this movie totally reminded me of this just how it's like it's such a procedural film
0: you know what reminded you of this movie What of that movie was the fucking library? Is what reminded you of that movie? No, the only thing that reminded me of all the president's men
1: is how like procedural it is. Like how you
0: say that, but that's literally like, like the movie didn't remind me of it. But when he walks into that big fucking round library, I thought, oh, all the president's men. And then he grabs the book of newspapers, which I was not ready for. Because when he grabbed it, I did not think of, like, oh, he's going to get a bunch of newspapers. I just saw him grabbing the most comically oversized book that looked like a prop book. That I do think that along. was funny, yeah. And so I laughed really hard. And then he sits down and opens up his newspaper. It's like, oh, okay, makes sense. I get it. I get it.
1: He's <laughs> like he went to a giant's yeah. house.
0: Um, but, no, that was like
1: it was such like a – it just reminds me because, like, yes, the, char- there's, the characters are fully drawn out and everything. I mean mm-hmm. the ones that we need to be following – are fully drawn out. I mean, we have the Jackal. We have LaBelle. Those are the, those are our two main people we follow. Hmm. LaBelle, by the way, we only meet, what, 45 minutes into the movie? An hour? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. It's, it's
1: a the, while. The chief investigator? Who, as good as Edward Fox is, I think Michael Lonsdale's terrific in this He's as great. Well. He
0: just has this accent and talks in such a way that he sounds like he's a bit tired, but also very official. Have that listen to my office, and I will be in the next room. <laughs> well,
1: I think I think that's um I think that's a very intentional performance thing is that he is kind of like broken down and tired and you know, I don't think he wants this assignment. <laughs>
0: No, it's not the way, especially because at first it's all off the books because there's no crime that's been committed. They just have intelligence. So they're like using back channel phone calls to talk to uh, like Scotland Yard and other various uh, law enforcement departments in different countries and trying to coordinate a response to track this guy down before he can do something. And then the minute that they realize that he killed someone, which ends up being Madame uh, uh, Montpellier Montpellier. Uh, they're like, okay, well, at this point, we don't need to keep it secret anymore because we, we we have a murder. So this is a murder investigation. So yeah, so as as we approach the climax of the film, you know, well I mean, the the, the attempt on De Gaulle's life. You know, he uh, he had slipped into Paris. He uh, goes into the. Has he changed his identity yet, or is he still? Are you talking about the, the, the day of, like, the moment when weeding the assassination was supposed to up, take place? up to the assassination, yeah. Well, he,
1: he shows up as a one-legged veteran.
0: Right, yes. Because, and, he, and he fucking tucks his leg up uh, uh, in a way that looks very painful.
1: And, and this is one of those cool things in the movie that they establish something early on. You don't really think anything of it at the time. Yeah. Like, when he steals the guy's passport photo, yeah. you think, oh, wait, he didn't take that ID, though. I wonder why he did that. And then later in the film he exactly. takes it when he has to go further when he has to disguise yeah. himself because
0: i thought early on he had been trying to get the dyes and he couldn't get it so he had like just swapped his own picture in the passport yeah and thought, oh, okay and then later on it's like oh no he was saving that picture so that he just in case later on. yeah and he, then that's, that's what, what we get plan.
1: that's what we get also when he uh, purchases a bunch of medals. Yes, to put on his uh, to put on his coat. So and and he, you see him ask a guy early on too. The guy who gets his like photos and his IDs and stuff, forges yeah. his IDs. Is he asks him about uh, looking gray and old, and he says, "Oh, swallow a couple of cordites." Yeah, which I don't know what that is, but he says swallow a couple of cordites and you'll have that gray sickly feeling. But in an hour you'll be fine. But the grayness will stay, and you'll look a little older. He's like, that's how we got out of military duty. Like, <laughs> so he does that, and he's convincing. Like his hair's gray. He dyes his hair gray. He he has that look, and again he shows up as a one-legged veteran. So much to the point where when he first showed up, I was like, You're like who's this guy? Yeah, who's this guy? <laughs> Oh, we're focused on him a lot. Oh, it's him. (laughs) But yeah, that's how he makes his way into the building to take take his shot. Yeah. Um, With his fancy
0: custom-made gun.
1: Which, by the way, this movie has a targeting sequence. They didn't need Jack Black getting his arm blown off in this one.
0: No, the targeting sequence in this movie was, oh, I've taken a watermelon and I'm going to hang it from a tree and then just uh, uh, zero the sight on it.
1: All right. This guy's not, not stupid enough to be like, I'm going to kill this innocent guy that someone yeah. will find and then connect to me later. Yeah, yeah.
0: no, not necessary. He just uh, and, and so, yeah, he zeroes the sight, he fires a couple shots, and then he pulls out one of the explosive bullets to try out and blows the fucking melon apart. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, he, well, he goes, he tries to kill De Gaulle, uh and misses
1: crazy moment right yeah. like i wouldn't when that first happened i was like oh he got him mm. like i i totally thought like that is quite a twist
0: <laughs> <laughs> wait what <laughs> yeah, de
1: gaulle has been killed by a
0: fictional character okay all right quentin whatever you say <laughs> so the end of the movie the, when this happens they, they burst in he swings around and fires off a shot with his rifle which is a one-shot rifle uh, and I think hits the other guy that's with the inspector and then the inspector manages to pull out and shoot him before he can. Oh, does he ever? But that's the thing is that this is one of those moments in the movie that just struck me as, come on, guys. I mean, I know it was 1973, but so he, he shoots him with what I believe was a handgun.
1: No, 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 no. He has like a semi-automatic.
0: Okay. But either way, he he shoots him with a gun that is not the rocket launcher that would cause him to react the way he did, where he is launched into the air and slammed against the wall (laughs) from this gun blast. (laughs)
1: i think you're not uh i think you're discounted the 1973 ish of this movie
0: (laughs) it's just so over the top and actually you know what no i it looked like the gun he had looked like um looked like something like an mp40 like a german submachine gun yeah which is not a gun that would make you fly back into the wall i mean most guns don't
1: i mean mean, have you ever shot a man with it
0: all fairness no um so i guess i can't say i guess
1: you're saying that for the podcast
0: uh I mean, regardless of whether I am or not, I have not shot one, and I don't know that that wouldn't happen, but I wouldn't bet on it. Right. Yeah. But still, a cool way to end the movie. Dude gets killed, and then and then it ends very quickly from there, where it's basically like, they're, you know, it's like, oh, who was that guy? We don't know. Because they thought they had a name, They'd Charles... Calthrop. Calthrop, right? Yeah. And they thought that that was the reason why his name was the Jackal, because Jackal in French is Chacal, Chacal, Charles... Call- Calthrop. Calthrop. I was going to say Callahan. This isn't Tommy Boy. Um, no. Fat guy in a little coat. And so, for most of the movie, my thought was that's really fucking stupid. This guy's clearly not as good as he thinks he is. If you would pick a code name that had any fucking connection to anything in his life, you don't do that. That's why military operations have banks of random names that they use for operations. And I believe even during World War II, the Germans had a real habit of naming their operations with cutesy like nicknames that were that you could often infer stuff from the nicknames, <laughs> which the Allies never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I thought that was really fucking stupid. And it turns out no, that was that was another cover name that he another guy that he had used as basically a, a cover for because they thought they'd found his apartment, they thought they'd found his stuff, but it ended up being some really indignant guy who's like, "Excuse me,
1: <laughs> I was on vacation.
0: What do you think you're doing?"
1: And that's interesting because we think we know a little bit about the jackal in the in the moments throughout the movie. Like we, you know, you, like you said, we think he's Charles Calthrop. Yeah. And then it turns out by the end of the movie, I mean, the whole thing is buried under the rug because he's buried in an unmarked grave. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically say that he was in an automobile accident. Yeah. We know the public doesn't know what happened. Uh, De Gaulle barely knows what happened. And it's just it, it you said it it just kinda ends and right. I think that's kinda the whole thing with this movie yeah, is that it
0: wouldn't be popularized, I don't think. It would not be like they would go to the media and be like, explain we we, we solved this plot. At this time they would have probably just kept it quiet because they wouldn't want to like raise any sort of popular sentiment that might support OAS and their aims.
1: Yeah, Don Lemon wouldn't be doing a, a breakdown of no. this.
0: No, they wouldn't want to they basically wouldn't want to make a martyr out of the jackal. Right, which unfortunately happens today. Well, that's the thing, is in with today's society and today's media, it would be hard to avoid having everybody talking about such an event were it to happen to anybody if the president of France had a shot taken at him. And then, of course, we learn the we we the shooter's name a million
1: times before we learn the victims. Yeah. Oh, which absolutely. is a thing that happens nowadays in the media. All the time. Uh, I can't
0: name you one of the Columbine victims, but I could right now if I wanted to tell you both their names. I won't. I'll spare you that. Of, the,
1: like, of the of the shooters. shooters. Yeah, yeah. Of
0: course. Yeah. One of the few killers to have doom levels available. What? Yeah, no, uh, I won't say his name, but one of those uh, fellows oh. uh, built uh, a lot of Doom levels in the well, late '90s, which you can find online.
1: I mean, there's a Columbine Flash game too. Well, yeah,
0: but that's that's other people. That's not somebody who was there, man.
1: But that's not. But but I, you know, I'm I'm just gonna say since we're talking we're talking about the Columbine Flash game, just give me a second <laughs> All here, because right. it's not exploitive like you might think. Yeah, it's it's actually like a fairly good commentary on why oh, is it, it happened is it
0: super columbine massacre RPG? yeah okay yeah i've heard that one actually it's pretty good
1: no it's not it yeah it's not what you think yeah. it might be um i played it because i was be, an age where i wanted to know what it was Well, and,
0: and games can be as much uh, a, a thing for satire as as much as films or books can or, yeah or making a point you know trying to point out the flaws of something through humor exactly yeah i agree so fuck you Roger Ebert in the grave saying games aren't art. <laughs> so the day
1: of the Jackal. Um, I like seeing the Jackal's entire process. Uh, I like mm. seeing little things. Like you see little things like when he goes in, when he's scoping out where he should be, like what window he, he could be in to take the shot. And he goes into this little like, I guess it's like a bed and breakfast. Would you say? That old that old lady's working in?
0: Yeah, yeah. like Or like, yeah, like a, a little like, lodge in the country or and something.
1: he takes the room key puts it on his under his mouth to make it a little warm and that has a little like clay thing that he takes with him mm-hmm. so he can like make a copy of the key like you see all these little things which yeah, i think is really interesting he's
0: incredibly resourceful to the point where when he gets word that his car's description has been gotten out he he goes and steals the license plate off uh, some teenagers who are canoodling in the woods yeah. off their car. I thought it would have been easier for him to just steal their car.
1: I thought he was gonna kill them.
0: Yeah, well no, I didn't think like I, I didn't think that. I thought he was just gonna GTA their fucking car and take off. It would have been the easiest thing. But no, he steals their license plate and then heads off into the woods and then takes his shirt off and decides, I'm gonna paint this fucking car. And he has car paint and a car like like a like a painting gun. Yeah. And somehow power for it. And he paints the car. Just in the middle of the woods, even as a helicopter flies over, they don't notice them. Which
1: is another cool moment yeah. uh, where we see how they just barely missed them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're getting closer every time. Then, of course, it's one of those, again, almost a comedy bit where he, like, he finishes painting this car. He gets in the car, gets back on the road, and is just blasting along and immediately crashes the fucking car. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) and it's because of the couple.
1: Yeah. The couple drives that car that he left, or that their own car.
0: Yeah. Because I thought when he went up to the car, it was like an old guy and a dog.
1: Oh, maybe. I thought it was. Oh, there was a dog. I thought it was just the couple. I thought that was the, I thought that was such a clever little thing.
0: It would have been cool, but no, I don't, because I think it was like a... A different type of car okay okay
1: but, well i i do want to talk about um another subplot in this movie that i thought was interesting and yeah. it's the um one of the oas members uh i think it's an oas member that has passed away yeah and it's it, was, it was
0: the colonel it was the guy that got executed oh was it of the, the guy it was his wife okay.
1: Yeah. okay it was fiance. yeah fiance and she's basically told to do this like undercover thing for a
0: honeypot kind of
1: thing. yeah
0: let's listen to this a little bit
3: i ask you to get rid of these it's for your own safety
0: I'll do it
3: tonight. Maybe I should do it for you now, huh? They know all about your fiancé. I have an assignment for you that sounds very important. It's not very pleasant. Go on. They want you to get involved with an official of the Elysee Palace. Someone fairly close to the goal. It might be dangerous. It's certainly distasteful.
4: Who is this official?
3: I'll show him to you in a week or so.
1: So her story is interesting because, and we only get a little bit of it, but she is, like you said, honeypotting with this official who's in on the investigation. And that's how she gets word through someone else who then gets word to the jackal and how he stays a step ahead. Um, But her story is so interesting because that in that scene, that guy is telling her like, you need to get rid of all these pictures of your fiance because they can't know your connection to him. And she has, she sheds like a single tear, which is such a, I think it's, like, such a tough moment oh, in yeah. that movie.
0: Well, to have to have the entire memory of, of your loved one just destroyed in front of you, for sure. Um, and I, I kind of wonder, too, like, how much does she actually understand about what's going on? Yeah. Here? Not because she's a woman, but because she's a woman in 1960. And, and it's not clear to me that if she is fully aware of... The depth of what this all means yeah uh, as far as what her husband has been involved in and why he was killed or if she's doing this out of purely some either sense of obligation or even uh, a sense of, of being able to get revenge for her husband's death but she doesn't seem that vengeful either no but she but she and she willingly does it she does yeah
1: but again i think i i i think i agree with you um i don't know if she understands the scope mm. of of what this is um Also, I do have to ask, the guy that she ends up, like, you know, honeypotting, um, did he die? Did he kill himself? Or was he just drunk on the floor? I'm pretty sure
0: that that was the implication, because I'm pretty sure I saw a pill bottle on the ground. Okay. So he must have come back and just, uh, you know, had a glass of whiskey and a bunch of sleeping pills and and taken the taking the short way out
1: right because they do discover that he um they do discover eventually that she is providing information to the contact yeah, for the they, jackal.
0: when they tap the phone and and record this conversation and they're like uh whose uh whose voice is that and the guy has to stand up and he's like that is a, a friend of mine's yeah. and i excuse me i need to leave and he turns around and walks out of the room and they just let him go and that was my thought like you just let him go i think they understand in that
1: moment that he's he didn't you know know what's going on yeah. but let's let's take a listen to that quick scene here
4: the following conversation was recorded at 6 15 this morning the number being dialed was identified as monitor 5901
3: hello yes denise That'll me here.
5: they know he's a danish school teacher they're visiting every hotel in paris
4: The contact was arrested an hour ago. Unfortunately, the information
3: came from this room. Whose voice was that?
4: I regret to have to inform you, Minister, that it was the voice of a friend of mine. She's staying with me at the moment.
3: Excuse
1: me. Okay, so... Yeah, I think that subplot is really interesting. Jason, I want to talk about all the similarities this has to last week's movie. Sure. The Remains of the Day.
0: We got that guy, number one. Well, number one, <laughs> okay.
1: Number one, Edward Fox. Yeah. So James Fox's brother. Yeah, not not the same
0: person as we learned earlier in the episode. Right.
1: Number two, I think this has, I think the lead characters are similar in a way. I think Anthony Hopkins in last week's movie is putting on a a hiding his emotions to be the best version of a butler he could be, and I think Edward Fox is doing that too. I think he's burying his true emotions to 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 outwardly express nothing, Mm. and for the same purpose that they have a job and they do that job right. Yes, Um, very different jobs. And number three, someone in this movie fell off a
0: horse. (laughs) Oh no! Who fell off a horse in this movie? What? Who fell off the horse in this movie? The guy
1: from the that guy that was uh, being honey potted. Oh. In a crazy stunt. Do you not remember that scene? No. Where she goes and takes the dog and the dog scares the horse and the guy falls off the horse and that's how they have their meet cute.
0: Uh, I must have been looking down at my phone taking a note at that point. I don't remember that. Son at
1: all. of a bitch, you ruined my Christopher Reeve joke.
0: <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, I, I think I mentioned this before the podcast, but I appreciated the uh, the Valkyrie approach to the movie's accents, where everybody just kind of speaks how they normally speak and you just assume that oh, that guy in the French uniform's a French dude. Yeah, uh, it's okay, Tom Cruise. Just use your regular voice. Yeah, it's fine. It's better. I mean, you, but at the same time, Tom Cruise is doing a German accent do we want that i mean i want that but do we want that
1: i mean we already had him do an irish accent in far and away yeah, do we exactly. really want him attempting another accent yeah,
0: that's right it was such a success why, <laughs> why hasn't he tried again
1: um i got a question for you uh, not really a question but like what do you think of uh our opposite side opposite side of things we got our character uh investigator claude labelle
0: he is a conscientious and dedicated investigator uh, who I recommend highly
1: for the French <laughs> oh. Legion of Honor. Oh, okay. Are we doing a uh, – <laughs> I'm not calling you for a reference, to oh. oh, okay. Well, no, I think, I think his introduction is interesting and in that we see him feeding the birds. Yes. Um, shows him, like, you know, being nurturing.
0: Right I, off the the birds – I like the birds because the birds represent freedom. And for us, as police officers, so often freedom is something that is snatched away.
1: Yes. No, I think... And I think this also kind of applies for every performance in this movie. He doesn't feel showy. No. It doesn't feel like an actor acting no. if that it and i mean that in the nicest way
0: yeah and and, and you can have that and that's fine but but this is kind of the opposite end to somebody like tommy lee jones in the fugitive you know which where, is great which for is that fucking movie. great yeah exactly it's great but like he's very much in that movie he's like all right this is what we're gonna do we're gonna put up barriers at this point and then we're gonna do that and then 10 mile intervals and you're gonna do that like he doesn't work like that this guy just feels yeah. very much like just that tired like uh, you would do this and i would do this and hit the report sent him out of click
1: well, and again, I mean, I think the whole time he's acting, he kind of feels like it's a burden, hmm. but he's also very passionate about his job at the same time. It like is a burden,
0: but it is a burden that it is his duty to bear.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, even Edward Fox. I mean, we go back to Edward Fox. I don't even think he's being, like, particularly flashy in his role. No. Again, very nervous on the set. Took him three well, days to film that one scene.
0: Like, this, this is the reason why I, I say this is supposed to be like the – the real james bond movie because he's not flashy he's not supposed to be flashy he's just supposed to to get in get done and get out yeah you know He's got to get done get done that was the that was terrifying get done get her done
1: get the fuck out of here <laughs> uh actually do you know what actually finally calmed him down when what's, he was filming that for three that? days the director said this is not going to hurt your career. Just go.
0: <laughs> That's good advice.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of critique also of like you said the communication process on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do see them going through a whole lot because because uh, De Gaulle wants none of this to get out in the public and none of this to interrupt his yeah usual... that's the,
0: that's the biggest i think wrench that gets thrown in their monkey works is the fact that de gaulle has no interest in cooperating with them on this he's like no this is this is the plan this is how we're going to do it and you guys have to work around me i'm not going to work around you and yeah. i guess as the president he certainly has that prerogative because who's think,
1: going to tell him no, right? I, and that's a real thing, by the way. That's a real trait that he had. Apparently, mm. when there were lots of attempts, uh, there was quite a few attempts on his yeah. life, and there's a lot of threats. And he was very much like proceed as normal.
0: No, and I get it. He he, because he was a smart politician, and he wanted to project strength and and you know bravery and the fact that he wasn't going to be intimidated by people right. trying to kill him. Uh, he did more good being out in public than hiding in a bunker somewhere. That you know, definitely that right. attitude. That you know, guys like I'm sure Churchill was like that too. Uh, Winston? Yeah, that one. Oh, okay. And, and not, not the American author from Oregon, but the, uh, the British Prime Minister.
1: Um, we talked a little bit about, earlier about Colette uh, Montpellier, the woman he seduces in the hotel later, yes, uh, Jekyll. Yeah. I, I do want to listen to a little bit of, like, how he kind of sweet-talks her. Because, again, it feels like a normal conversation. It doesn't feel acted.
5: No, of course I don't live in the Alps. I went there for a visit, that's all. Climbing? Good Lord, no. I spent the day at the Cadet Academy in Barcelonette, amongst a lot of jaundiced military types, watching my son receive his commission. How? He's 19.
4: I never know when you're being
5: serious. It's true, unfortunately. Why unfortunately?
4: I see nothing unfortunate about it. I'm
5: not begging for compliments, Mr. Duggan.
4: Will you have a liqueur?
5: No, I must go to bed. Oh. I have to leave very early tomorrow morning. Are you sure? Positive. Good night, Mr. Duggan.
1: So, yeah. Um, I just... It seems like a normal... Conversation yeah. like no no that, see that's my thing about this movie. Um, when I say like I, th- I find it's like procedural, yeah. Like all the presidents men or whatever. I mean that in like the sense that I don't feel like I. I feel like I was watching a movie, but I don't feel like I'm watching
0: anything phony. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's very naturalistic. It's not like okay. everything. No, it's not that every scene is hammering you home a specific plot point or relevant fact of information. Even though the movie moves and keeps going along. Each scene serves its purpose, and a scene like that serves its purpose of establishing this relationship, but it doesn't have to be anything more than just a pleasant, casual conversation.
1: Right. Funny enough, so the final parade scene, which we talked about earlier – by the way, I think that's like a really good, like tense – tense scene and there's tons of extras. Oh, it's beautiful because I,
0: I don't know if they did this on the actual Liberation Day because the French are famous for their military parades. Because if you remember, the the current President of the United States saw a French military parade a few years ago and was like, I like that.
1: I like that a lot. <laughs> I don't know what President you're uh, doing in pressure on. He's not
0: that known. But uh, yeah, but, he, but also him failing to understand that one, traditionally, Americans only really have military parades when they win wars and that isn't happening a lot these days. And uh, two, the roads in washington were not really equipped to handle lots of tanks rolling up and down them
1: well and i'm, I'm to answer your question this was filmed during a real parade mm. not the liberation day parade but uh as it, actually zenneman also said that the the actor who right. played de gaulle
0: for, for, trump was at the bastille day parade <laughs> so they, they have lots of parades in france uh
1: so the actor who played de gaulle adrian kayla legrand uh, he was actually mistaken by a bunch of people in Paris for the real De Gaulle, even though he had died at that point. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna gonna say, he was dead point.
0: for a few years by that point.
1: Yeah, uh, he'd been dead for two years, I guess, before the movie <laughs> came out. But, yeah, it was filmed during a real parade um, that led to so much confusion that some of the crowd... So. So a bunch of people in the crowd didn't even know there was a movie being shot so there's extras and then there's real people mm. um, some of the crowd mistook the actors portraying police officers as real officers and some of them tried to help them arrest the quote unquote suspect that they were apprehending in the crowd <laughs> so there's a lot of like confusion there um, so Cinnamon had to step in and be like filming a movie filming a movie yeah. <laughs> see, see the cameras see the cameras and the sound equipment yeah although I doubt they took sound for that <laughs> kind of shot that'd be impossible yeah uh, but yeah, so I just thought that was interesting. Um, it is based on a book, yes. but I mean, the bo- I looked through this, the book is almost exactly the same. Yeah, it's pr- pretty movie. close, yeah. Um, however, the author, Frederick Forsyth, said he heavily regretted selling the rights to the novel, or at least because he didn't know a lot about how this works. Um, he, agree- he basically was given two options. Uh, take £17,500 plus a small percentage of the profits, or twenty thousand pounds and no royalties, and he took twenty thousand because he knew nothing of, mm. you know, uh he said, That's such a massive amount of money for me. Like I'll, I'll I'll be glad to take that. But, you know, due to him being a little naive, he, he always kinda, take a
0: piece of the back end.
1: Yeah, he he waived his rights to kind of a small fortune mm-hmm. because this movie made a lot of royalties down the line. Jason, it's time for some bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. What do you got?
0: if my face was Oh, like... can
1: I actually add uh, the first bits of bit Bob sure. here? Uh at the opening drums of the uh, as the logo was coming up, uh Cleo, my dog, uh, barked because she thought someone was at the door.
0: <laughs>
1: Doesn't usually do that, by the way. No.
0: Oh, so. no, I mean, she barks a lot, but she doesn't
1: usually react to a movie as if it's real life.
0: Did you notice when they were uh, there's a scene where he's walking through the street and there's a group of people playing accordion, like they're playing the accordion in the street and they're playing the Colonel Bogey March. Oh yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I started singing to myself, Lisa, da, 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 Lisa,
1: Lisa You know what? Russell. I thought of that, but for some reason, I didn't even think Colonel Bogey
0: March yeah, didn't register with you. Hitler—he only has one ball. When they when they grab that OSA OAS dude on the street, the one that they torture, they just fucking blackjack the shit out of him. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, just clock right across the fucking. <laughs> I'm surprised you did a
1: macho man impression for a Stevie Ray gimmick. Yeah. Again, I can't I can't
0: <laughs> I can't reinforce enough how mu- how much I was delighted when he gives him the ball punch backhand combination. I know he was giving him a chop, but it looked like he just straight up punches him in the balls and then backhands him across the face. <laughs> the, the when Edward Fox kills the forgery guy. That just made me laugh really hard. And I, I love that. And that would be a great gif. I would like to have that as a gift to use. I'll do my best. All right. Uh, I also enjoyed when he shows him the explosive uh, tip bullets and he just goes, ooh, let me have one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when, when, uh, and this again, this is something just of how old the movie is. When, um, the inspector is setting up the room, he goes, I need a good telephonist and 10 phone lines. <laughs> That's his requirements. That's uh, what he needs. Because, Mabel. absolutely, yeah. you need that. Uh, I've enjoyed the massive amount of smoking in this movie because a lot of everybody smoking. smokes all the time. It's awesome. France. Did
1: you notice, um, did you notice that when the jackal? becomes that other guy when he dyes his hair dark and he has glasses and he's like the danish yeah, teacher or whatever yeah. he smokes his cigarettes differently yes i don't know if that was like a conscious decision it's like i need to change everything i think it must have been that's Did crazy they, they even
0: just pick a different manner of smoking cigarettes and maybe he has to be a guy that doesn't smoke cigarettes although it would that's seem unlikely
1: that's that's crazy though that's like yeah. i wonder if that's like an edward fox thing or if that's a fred zinneman thing
0: I don't know, but I but it's a, a good a good choice on an actor's part. Doing you know that who we can ask?
1: We can ask Edward
0: Fox he's still alive. We could Skype him right now, Jason because everyone's at home yeah. I don't know much about guns, Brendan, or or the shooting of guns, but I thought it was a real neat trick when he goes to when he's zeroing the gun and he wraps the rope around the tree and then yeah. twists the gun in the rope as is like basically to stabilize the gun as he's shooting. I thought that was really neat. Oh, that whole scene where he's target practicing with the watermelons right? and, and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth while he does it, of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, oh, there was a really neat shot. In, oh, the, I think it's in where they're doing the transcription in the room, transcribing the screaming uh, tape. When it's just it's a really cool shot of a descending of, of four guys in the room and they're descending in height so like one guy's standing up one guy's bent over a bit one guy's bent over further one guy's sitting down it just looked really cool yeah and it oh the to movie me. is the cinematography in this movie is great yeah absolutely um I, I, again the the sheer amount of paperwork that old time police departments would have had to do is ridiculous. I mean, you think about, like, like it would take them hours to track down a piece of information that you could just pull up a spreadsheet now and, and be able to type in something and, and find it.
1: And I think that's why it's so hard to make a movie like this now, unless yeah. it's a period piece. Yeah, exactly.
0: Because you, you don't have those same constraints. You just have to come up with new constraints. And those new constraints are maybe less cinematically interesting than the old ones.
1: Like, can you name me a movie... This, like, Swordfish. similar. No, well, hold on. <laughs> it's 2000, it 2001. <laughs> but can you give me a movie like similar to this in the type of like investigative thriller or whatever, but like recent and set
0: in the recent In the state, maybe,
1: maybe. And that was like just on the brink of when the internet yeah. started going I mean, off. That's
0: 20 years ago at this point, yeah.
1: I mean, look at like I was gonna say 10 years ago we had Zodiac, but that mm. took place in like the 60s, yeah. so
0: I. Another thing I liked about this movie was some of the camera techniques where they would do like, where the the couriers were driving down the street and we did this like third person camera behind them and we just follow them down the street and then it would cut to like the guy from behind in that same third person view, like walking into the room. I thought that was neat. I thought when the jackal was driving around and they had the camera mounted on the bonnet of the car. Mm -hmm. So you just got this first person driving scene, which seems like that was very, you know, out there for 1973. Yeah. Uh, That was really cool. I thought killing that old lady for a distraction to look in the ledger was, was just the coldest shit, man. Oh, Damn.
1: and he kills a second old lady later. Yeah, he does. The, he does the lady who owns the bed and breakfast. He yep. karate chops her to the throat.
0: Yeah, and what else we got here? Uh, I, I thought, again, the ridiculousness of him having to have car paint with him and, and a car paint gun. <laughs> I think he's prepared for everything, Jason. He must be, clearly. And he, I, he, love, and how he, skills I love
1: how he hides the gun and welds it into the car. That was great.
0: That was neat. Yeah, I thought that was cool because I, I, it wasn't clear to me originally as I thought he was in France from the start, but then once yeah. it became clear, he was across the border. And they
1: don't let you fully in because there's a moment where he gets the gun parts and he says, I thought this was going to be uh, aluminium. Yeah. And he says, oh, no, I couldn't find it. Sorry. And he's like, I only got stainless steel. And he's like, all right. And yeah, then I you thought realize, that was going to be a bigger problem. Well, they, yeah. And then you realize like, Oh, because he wanted to make it look like it was part of the car. But yeah. then he puts it into the other yeah. part and puts it back together. And it's such a
0: cool moment. See, I thought that the problem was going to be that he wanted – I mean, I don't know if aluminum sets off a metal detector. I think you mean aluminum. Aluminium. I don't know if aluminum sets off a metal detector. but they have about, metal detectors back then? Well, no, but that was my thought that he's going to try to smuggle it on a plane. And that's um. why he wants it made of uh, aluminum so it doesn't set off the metal detector. But also maybe they do detect uh, aluminum. I don't know. I don't know.
1: What's aluminum?
0: Fuck you. That's what it is. Aluminium. That's right. This was an interesting time because this was set in a time before the the, the Schengen area in Europe, which is the common kind of area where if you're a member of the European Union and you're a part of the Schengen zone, it's basically you don't have to go through customs to go through it. So, you know, if, if I'm from Germany... I can just go to France. I don't have to go through customs. I don't have to bring my passport. I don't do anything like that. I can just go to France because we're all in the same zone. I can go to France. I can go to Spain. I can go to Switzerland. Well, maybe not Switzerland because they're neutral, but I can go to Sweden, Norway, whatever. You can yeah. just go. Japan, India, Frankfurt. But in these days, this, there were still hard borders. So that's all, the part of the whole rub is that he needs to get the gun through the border right. undetected. Right. Uh. Just saying it's more lenient these days. Well, it's 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 probably harder to maybe get into the Shenzhen area, but once you're into the Shenzhen area, I mean, yeah, you just go anywhere. Bob's your uncle, and Bob's your uncle. I liked uh, uh, when when that um, government guy comes back to see his uh, honey pot, and she's wearing that incredibly just sheer see-through dress thing it looks like like a nightgown type thing but mm-hmm. it's just like wow she's just straight up naked you can just see her you can just see everything well there
1: are pg breasts in this movie yeah, in no, several some, scenes
0: lovely lovely 70s titties
1: there's uh yeah that's that's another way say yep. um but that girl that's like uh you know sleeping with the guy on the committee you see her um, I think at, at least once in that scene where it's supposed to be dark, but I mean, you know, I guess they turned the lights up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later on you see Montpellier uh, laying there fully naked. And yeah. I'm this movie was, I mean, there was no PG 13, but this movie was still PG at the time.
0: Yes. Uh, another bits and Bob. I thought it was interesting that he basically basically, initiated a gay relationship to find a place to go which they do in the remake yeah uh, where he just kind of hooks up with them and, and hangs out and they're gonna have dinner and stuff and then when dude sees his face on the tv and hears his name then
1: i like that that yeah. that's probably my favorite
0: like kill moment yeah. because... because he just turns the tv up and then goes into the room and just slowly like creeps in on him even though he knows he's there he's like watching him he's staring into his eyes as he's scared mm-hmm. drops the lobster
1: Drops the lobster, lobster, which he thinks is the most hilarious thing when he walks in the door. Yeah. Look at this lobster. Oh, it's dead and stuff. <laughs> We're going to eat it. But like he kills it, but he kills him completely off screen. All you hear is the thump. Yeah, exactly. And then he just calmly walks back to the room. Did you notice too? So um, Edward Fox, is, uh, or the jackal, is doing this fake persona where he's got the dark hair and he's got the glasses. Yeah. Right as soon as this guy walks in, who he's like kind of living with, pretending to be like his lover, right? Mm-hmm. Do you notice that he has the glasses off and as soon as he walks in he puts them back on really yeah. quick? It's like I don't actually want to have these
0: on my face. <laughs> like Yeah, no, he he needs to maintain the look. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Yeah, but that's uh I think that's just a Oh, and and near the end when they're having the parade and uh, they're having the soldiers march by and everybody looks up in the air and you hear the sound of the jet streaking overhead and it's just a fake shadow. It's just a fake shadow they project on the, like over the, I assume on the film itself, but to make it look like the jets are flying overhead without actually having to film jets flying overhead. I thought that was really, I thought that was really cool. And I thought it was really, um, uh, slick, a really efficient use of, uh, uh, technique. Got to save that budget. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I actually don't have any budget information on this movie, uh, but I do know that it, I do know that it made about $16 million in the box office. So, I'm assuming it it's respectable made its money back and then some. Mm. Uh, this movie does get nominated for one Oscar. Does not win, though. Mm. But it gets nominated for Best Editing, which was won that year by The Sting. Hmm. Uh, at the BAFTAs, nominated for a bunch of awards. And there's one that it doesn't even come up, and I do want to talk about that. But it's nominated for Best Film, which was won by Day for Night course the classic uh, that we all know and love mm-hmm. uh, best director which is won by francois Truffaut for day for night okay. uh best supporting actor for michael lonsdale which is won by arthur lowe for oh lucky man oh best supporting actress for delphine serig who plays montpellier uh was run by one by valentina cortez for day for night nice Best Screenplay was won by a film that we are giant fans of, uh, The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie. Oh, classic, yeah, for sure. Best Sound, which was won by Jesus Christ Superstar, which makes sense to me, I guess. Yeah, why not? But it does win at the BAFTA's Best Editing.
0: That's good. (laughs) But did you
1: notice one person that wasn't in there at all? Edward Fox. Mm. Nothing at the Oscars, nothing at the Globes, nothing at the BAFTAs. I think uh, he kind of holds his half of the movie together that's how much of an everyman he was yeah. he didn't
0: even register on their radars
1: i mean i love that michael lonsdale and delphine Serig were nominated because i think delphine Serig playing montpellier like i said she has a really rich story told in such short scenes mm. uh and michael lonsdale's great uh, as the as the inspector but i'm just blown away by no edward fox yeah uh Moving forward with the critique of this movie, Roger Ebert loved this movie, yeah. and he was so taken back, he said, I wasn't prepared for how good it really is. It's not just a suspense classic, but a beautifully executed example of filmmaking. It's put together like a fine watch. The screenplay meticulously assembles an incredible array of material, and then Zinneman choreographs it so that the story, complicated as it is... I don't think that's true. (laughs) Unfolds in almost documentary starkness. Zinneman has mastered every detail. There are some words you hesitate to use in a review because they sound so much like advertising copy. But in this case, I can truthfully say the movie is spellbinding. Wow. So Roger Britt loved this movie. This movie also inspired, which I don't want to talk about too much because we will talk about the 1997 quote-unquote remake, Mm -hmm. The Jackal. But it does inspire The Jackal. Uh, with Richard Gere, Bruce Willis, Sidney Poitier, for some reason. Why not? (laughs) And a small part from uh, Jack Black. Um, The 1997 film is about an assassin also named The Jackal who wants to assassinate a highly significant target. But other than than that, it has almost nothing to do with this movie. Frederick Forsyth actually refused to allow his name being used in connection with it because he kind of saw the writing on the wall. This is not going to be great. Uh, And the director... Uh, Fred Zinneman fought really hard with the studio to ensure that the new film was not called Day of the Jackal. So, hence the name, The Jackal.
0: Spark. I just assumed that they shortened it because that was what you did in, in the 90s.
1: I mean, I did too because, yes, that is a trend. Um, mm-hmm. As we know, we we have replaced, in a lot of cases, A and D with an ampersand.
0: Yes, so, absolutely.
1: I mean, we don't have time to read a three-letter word these y- your days. Your
0: eyes can only handle so many letters at a time.
1: That's right. Uh, but, I mean, I think... I think, yeah, we've come to the kind of conclusion here. So, Jason, what do you think? It's number 74 on the list. We've had a good run. We've had a good run of weeks here. Right? Uh, like, yeah. I just want to say the this section, yeah. this section of movies that we've done, starting with, you know, um, I think Long Good Friday was the first one we did. We came back. Mm. Has been great. Really good run of movies. But yeah, go ahead. It's
0: number 74. It's uh, Day of the Jack. Great. Uh, This is a good movie. It's a great movie. There's no question. I I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. Uh, uh, Like I say, it it does not stop. It is like a freight train. It just keeps moving along. And um, every... I mean, I, I, I can't really say much... It much better than Roger Ebert did. I, I told him to go fuck himself earlier, but he was a smart guy and he does, uh, he is occasionally very eloquent and he was right. The, I mean, the movie is just this, such precisely made like watchmakers. <laughs> did, you t- did you tell Roger Ebert to go fuck himself? Earlier? I did. I did. Well, because he once said video games weren't art. Oh, so yeah, that's right. That's All why right. I told him to go fuck himself. But I do respect and like the man a lot. Um, and I'm glad he liked it and, and, and yeah, it's just, this. it was as good as anything you would watch today. Yeah. And is and engaging. Holds up. Yeah. Definitely worth watching.
1: If someone was to argue a movie for being this long, this is like Exhibit A. Yeah,
0: it's um, how you do it. If you're going to make a two a two hour and twenty minute movie, this is how you go about doing it.
1: Yeah, it's it's terrific. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. I was a little hesitant about the running time, as of course we always are oh, yeah. on this program. We still have a few lengthy ones to oh, go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I think you know. 74 seems pretty far down the list to me for yeah. a movie like this, especially because I feel like this has some influence yeah. on this style of film.
0: It, mu- like it must. It absolutely must. I mean, the, the good- I
1: mean, all presidents Men came out three years after this. Yeah. I'm not saying it took anything,
0: but maybe they did. Well, know. I mean, and they should have because it's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. So steal as much as you can is my, my thought. You know, now that I think about it, I kind of
1: casually mentioned it earlier, but, like, Zodiac kind of operates like a procedural movie for yeah. some in, in some aspects.
0: Well, I mean, it is about trying to catch a criminal, so I yeah. have to watch it to tell. I it. mean,
1: it's still, like, kind of Hollywood-ish, mm. but, I mean, it's really good. If you haven't seen Zodiac, watch it. I do like David yesterday um, But it, 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 I feel like it might uh, might take some
0: inspiration from it. Hmm. Neat. That's right, dog outside. And the dog outside's... Bark means only one thing. <laughs> what does that mean, Jason? It means it's time for the dog's movie of the week. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, and this week, that movie is Air Buddies 2. So check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Air Buddies 2. This has been the dog movie of the week. Air, 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 air.
1: air Buddies 2, not as good as Space Buddies. Well, I mean,
0: you can't live up to that
1: one. Or Doggy Day Camp. That's a real one. No, I just changed Daddy Day Camp to... uh, I I feel like there might even
0: really be a Doggy Day Camp. There's got to be. It could be. Jason, what are we doing right now? We We, haven't done this in a long time. Instead of using commentpicker.com, they can go to hell. This week, we're going back to the dice. They just blocked my IP. They did, absolutely. (laughs) We roll dice to see randomly what our next movie will be. So and
1: Jason, it's Jason's turn. I, I looked back, Jason. I, I checked to see. Um, so what do we have? We have a 1's D10. We have a 1's D10 we
0: and we have a 10's D10. The 10's D10 is green. The 1's D10 is red. That will, will
1: be on the test.
0: I will roll the green one and then I will roll the red one. And the resulting combination of numbers will be the film that we will watch next week. We have watched almost 50 of these movies. So we there have is a good 50. chance I will have to re-roll numerous times. We have
1: watched 50. Yeah. We just
0: watched our 50th. Yes, we did. Okay, so there you go. So here we go.
1: What do we got? What what do we got for tens here?
0: Ten. Top ten. Or no, the teens. Uh, so okay, so we'll Ten to 19. Okay. We got okay. a few here. 13. 13. Lucky D. number 13.
1: We uh we ju- we already watched Lady Killers. Alright,
0: well, let's move on again. I don't want to watch that one again. Okay. That was a little boring for my taste. So wow, we'll hot go. take, hot take. Fifty.
1: Okay. Are there any left? Uh ooh, A, f- a couple. <laughs> Alright, let's try. Fifty-two oh we've already watched this sporting life okay
0: yeah no i'm fine with that all right let's let's try again here we go (laughs) ready
1: 30 okay uh oh yeah we got a few in the 30s
0: and four
1: no we've already watched gandhi okay yeah
0: no fine all right that's a long one okay (laughs) here we go this is
1: most of the episodes this is gonna be
0: man by the time we are on the last like 10 episodes (laughs) Although, I'm sure by then we'll figure out something. We can
1: only discuss this film for ten minutes, because we have the dice roll to do. Ten. We're back in the teens again. (laughs) Jesus. There's still quite a few here, Jason.
0: Fourteen.
1: Well, Jason, we've already talked about Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. I may have to cut some of these.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, quick. Here we go. Another one. Sixty. Sixty... Seven. We've already talked about Mona Lisa,
1: Jason. Jesus
0: Christ. All right. One more.
1: Sixty. Okay. Okay. Nine. On top, my brother. Uh, <laughs> 69 was, of course, Hamlet. Which you
0: Hamlet yeah. to. <laughs> Man, all right. We've got. 60. Jeez, I got three in a row. Is it 69? 69. Are you shitting me? That's insane that I rolled two 69s in a row. That was legit, folks. We're not doing Hamlet again. No. <laughs> as much as it wants us to.
1: Is that 90. Talking? Okay. 90. A... Oh, carry on with the Kyber. Let's do it. 90 oh no. <laughs> that's just very anticlimactic there. <laughs> like Ninety. Okay, here we go. We finally got something. Alright, what are we doing? We got nineteen eighty seven film directed by John Borman. It's called Hope and Glory. Okay. Yeah. Hope and Glory. Of course, John Borman, uh famously known for directing the classic film Zardo's.
0: Oh well, this should be interesting.
1: <laughs> I know nothing about this movie. Me neither.
0: I, uh, I, I like to think that it's a sitcom. About two sisters. It sounds like a sitcom.
1: It's a sitcom. Uh, Kelly Rippa plays uh, Jessica Hope, uh, and
0: uh, what's her Meredith name? Vieira is uh, that, that, Angie Glory. Well, it, there actually was a sitcom called I think Hope and Faith.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. it's it's so Faith Forward. Yeah, it, no Hope and Faith. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: it's it's a continuation yeah. of that. Finally, get to a movie that I know absolutely nothing about. Uh, we'll talk about Hope and Glory next week. 1987, right. number ninety on the list. We're it's down a,
0: there, but it should be interesting.
1: It should be interesting. Um, but until then, Jason, I'm guaranteeing you right now it's better than the English page. All right.
0: <laughs> until <laughs> then. I'm taking that to the bank. <laughs>
1: um, they can find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook just by searching for for screen and country. You can find Jason on Twitter at Jason D McLeod. That's M A C L E O D. And he will tell you all about how he plans to kill Charles de Gaulle,
0: Jr. I'm working on it. Uh, I mean, he, he cut me off in traffic once, so. Oh, well, he deserves to be Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. I've been saying thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. God, this is why you get me. That's why I
1: get you. If we were in uh, North Korea right now, this podcast would never air.
0: But we're not. Are we? I don't, I don't think so. Are we? Oh, my God, there's a North Korean flag fluttering outside. What? Uh, April Fool's. Oh, <laughs> Wait, it's May. No, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: So I guess until next week, I just have to say to you, Jason, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, I'm Brendan.
0: And I'm Jason.
1: Bang, bang, got you.
0: <pavement down> <ền one> bang, bang. And now for something completely different. Wait, what? <laughs> a man with a tape recorder <laughs> up his nose. Je cherche un
2: homme, un homme, un homme, un pierre au polo, un jacques au thème. Peu m'importe comment il se homme, s'il est un homme, un homme, un homme. Je n'exige pas un Polon qui s'abriait dans les salons, ni un type forte comme Simpson. Pour vous que j'ai un mate en bon. Il n'a pas besoin d'être milliardaire. Qu'il soit bon, nous sommes égaux. Il n'a pas besoin d'être grand lumière. Star du cinéma, ni prince royal. Je jean je, bon. Anam Qu'il s'appelle Pierre Oh Paul Oh Sam Pour vous qu'il donne Son maximum Je cherche un homme Un, homme, un homme. It's late, it's Let's check our cue, baby Pair it with a couple of bruise, baby Pair it baby we love your movies we love the bad ones too, so we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah! Ba da ba da ba da ba Everything I learned from movies helps to make my movie We're the one that's plot holes, A gratuitous boobies. It's time to get busy.
5: At EILFM.podbean.com.